Welcome to the Fuel Your Soul podcast. I'm Kay. And I'm Taylor. Kay and I are friends who are united in our passion for our Catholic faith, which is how this podcast came to be. Every Wednesday, we're talking all about faith, dating, friendships, career decisions, and more. So pour yourself a cup of coffee, wine, or a cocktail and get ready to fuel your soul. This is the Fuel Your Soul podcast. Hello, Fuel Your Soul Soul Sisters, and welcome back to another episode of the Fuel Your Soul podcast. I'm Kay, and unfortunately, Taylor isn't here with us this episode, but I do have on guest with me, Amber Rose, aka the spiritual, or sorry, the religious hippie. Um, You can find Amber on Instagram. She has a pretty big following. She also has her own podcast, um, which I've listened to another very great Catholic podcast for you guys to listen to. And today we are talking about spiritual warfare, which is something I have found very fascinating. So um, when I talked to Amber last week and we were trying to come up with a topic, she gave me a priest who's an exorcist to listen to on the topic of spiritual warfare, kind of to prepare for this episode. His name is Father Ritberger. And you guys, I binged all of his YouTube videos. You guys need to go look him up. But I also just mentioned that because a lot of the stuff probably I'll bring up is from those videos um, that I just like learned from listening to him because it was so much information. It was so good. Uh, I'm so glad I listened. And I'm very excited to to be talking about spiritual warfare today. So hi, Amber. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me on the podcast. This is going to be an exciting episode. I know. Yeah, thanks so much for joining. So another thing that Amber and I kind of talked about last week when we were preparing for this episode that got us into this topic of spiritual warfare is that Amber used to have a haunted house. (laughs) And I told Amber, (laughs) I said, don't tell me the full story last week because I want to hear all the details on the show. And I think that's just a great segue into today's topic. So do you want to start us off with that story? Yeah, sure. I'll try to summarize it as best as I can. So I don't go on like this huge rant about it. But um, as far as I know, the house has been haunted. Well, the house was haunted. I still live in the same house, but we got it exercised and stuff. Um, But as far as I know, the house was haunted before we moved in. um, And it was one specific room in the house, which was my bedroom. And so I was actually born in that room. (laughs) So that was also exciting. But the things that would happen were um, there would be just continuous nightmares in that room. Like you would feel completely Mm -hmm. uneasy. Um, I had multiple nightmares of hell as a young child who didn't even really comprehend what hell was. Um, I was pushed down the stairs. I was pushed into the bathtub. Just by like nothing? Just like a – I mean – You could feel it. Like, you could feel a hand on your back, like, pushing you, but there was nothing there. And, I mean, you can always blame it on your sister, but, like, my sister doesn't do that. She was an angel, so. (laughs) Lucky you. Are you right? (laughs) I grew up with two sisters, and that was not that case. (laughs) (laughs) We had our differences, for sure, but she wouldn't try to murder me, basically. (laughs) Okay, okay, fair. Well, not not on purpose, at least. (laughs) So... 
basically that went on for a really long time. Uh, my mom would have us pray the rosary together in a room, like in their bedroom so that we would be all together in a room. Um, I guess just base, basic trying to defeat like, or I guess keep at bay any evil presences. And the rosary is a great way to do that. It's a great weapon, mm-hmm. great protection. Um, but I don't think as a young child, you really understand what a haunting is or what a, a demon is because you just, your little kid brain can't comprehend that side of the spiritual realm. Um, and I don't even think we understand it completely yet either mm-hmm. as adults, but I could have a better understanding of it now that I have, you know, Father Ripperger to look up to and yeah. to. Um, but the thing that I found the craziest is that like he, the, the demon would specifically pick on my sister and I, while my parents definitely got some stuff where they were just like, okay, that's weird. Like stuff moving around. You could hear voices sometimes, things like that. The kid, like me and my sister were mainly picked on. So like my sister was almost pushed off the top bunk bed um, and some wow. people say, oh, she was like, was, was just rolling in her sleep. My sister was a solid rock sleeper. She didn't really move much. Uh-huh. And um, so that kind of freaked her out. There have been instances in the basement where like something would like shove us, push us, um, just very physical things. And I remember one night it took its the biggest turn ever when I actually saw it. Well, the shadow, I guess you could say. And I guess the thing is, is that the demons will use what is already in our imagination to kind of get us to be scared. And as little kids and stuff, um, at that time, we were learning about Greek mythology and Mm -hmm. um, I guess Norse mythology, like uh, Viking mythology, stuff like that. So we were learning about all that stuff. And um, it basically, it it had horns and everything, but it looked like that half man, half bull you see. in. Oh my gosh. So you saw something, you saw it. Yes. And it little five-year-old me was absolutely horrified. Wow. <laughs> like hide under my blankets, horrified. Like 24-year-old me would be terrified. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it, now it's so surreal because if I would see something, like if I would to experience something like that now, I'd be absolutely petrified. But as a little kid, I don't think I could fully comprehend what I was seeing. So mm-hmm. I was like monster kind of like put blankets over my head and it'll go away. Um, but there would be like red eyes in our closet. Um, it, it was just not good. Like it was horrifying. And so we ended up having, I think we had a couple priests come in. I don't remember it too well, but we so had how long did it take like your parents to figure out what was going on? Cause were they kind of skeptical? Like, Oh, you, know, you guys are just, was. yeah. Because I feel like that's kind of the standard in movies. Like that's what kids do, you know, like, kids are always saying, oh, like, I'm scared there's a monster in my closet or something like that. So did your parents, like, did it take them a while to actually get on board with, oh, my gosh, I think our house might be haunted? (laughs) Um, My dad didn't really – my dad's very logical. He's an engineer, of course. So um, and I think that's how most guys view it, you know, unless they're Catholic and they – or not if they're Catholic. My dad's Catholic, but, like, unless they have that idea of what the spiritual realm has to offer Uh and how dangerous it can be. Um, unless they have that kind of knowledge, I feel like a lot of the guys are very logically driven and they're just like, okay, well, there's a reason for the lights flickering. There's a reason for this. And, and, um, sometimes there was, sometimes the, the light bulb was loose, you know, and stuff, 
But then other times my dad would replace the light bulb right away and then it would just burst into flames, like just, it would just bust without any reason. Like we didn't even turn the light on or anything. So there are certain instances where you can explain stuff and you can't. I don't think my dad believes it still to this day. um and if he does he hasn't said anything yeah my mom definitely knew my mom has um kind she has that kind of just as a mother she has that sense of just like hmm something's not right something's attacking my family Uh because like she was there when I fell down the stairs and she knew she could see like I did not trip Uh uh-huh and and the stairs like yeah they were there were cloth stairs like they had carpet on them or whatever um, so there was perfect traction. It wasn't like wood stairs where you just like slip down them or something. I have fallen downstairs. Like I have, cause I'm clumsy, but, <laughs> but, um, and then I started crying and stuff. And so she, she could actually see what was happening, um, more or less. And I think she was the one that initiated getting the house blessed. Um, and we had to get it blessed a few times. Like we really, really had to get it blessed. I don't remember much about it. And I think a lot of the times when they did bless the house, my sister and I weren't there. Um, and that's what you're supposed to do technically. If you are blessing the house, you want the children out of the house because it can be really traumatizing for the kids. Um, unless one of the children, of course, needs an exorcism, then that's a little different. But So they say it's traumatizing because, because so, why? Oh, so what ends up happening is that because the kids are the most vulnerable, if you anger the demon, it'll go after the kids. Oh. So it could throw things at them that could actually harm them. Um, It could try possessing them, but that's debatable. I mean, only God will, like, God will allow certain things to happen for our own sanctification, but Uh um, it's just best to have the kids out of the house so that no danger can happen to them while the adults take care Mm -hmm. of things. Because a lot of the times kids can fall into trouble. Um, I knew a friend who had a haunted house and who was Catholic and they had they kept all their kids in the house and the three year old wandered off because she heard a little voice and she ended up falling down the stairs and hurt herself pretty bad. Oh my god. Um, while they were having the exorcism done on the house. So and she was just like, Well, I heard you calling for me, mommy, and she's three. And so demons can trick children. Um it's very important to like make sure that the kids are safe during exorcisms for sure. Huh. That's super interesting. So they bless the house and then do you have a priest come back like once a year or anything like that? Is there any kind of protocol that you go through still to this day? So unfortunately not. My parents have fallen away from the faith. I'm the only uh, practicing Catholic besides my sister. Wow. So- I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's one of those things where I really want a priest to come over and bless the house, and I totally would, um, but our house is also a complete disaster sometimes because we have so many animals that it's hard um, for me to, like, be like, okay, wow, I want, like, my pe- my priest best friend to come over and, like, see, see our uh, half-done house because we're still working on it from an addition, and so it's a mess, but also... I know that the spiritual side of things is more important than what my house looks like. So, um, yeah, it's not something that I'm too worried about. I just, I really do think that it needs to be blessed. Like we should all be getting our houses blessed every single year or more if needed, especially those people who have had haunted houses before, not because the demons can come back, but not the same demon at least, but basically you can leave a window open and a demon can come in. Like, 
there are so many things and but the one thing that i that father ripperger said was that holy water mm-hmm. and holy salt those two things help protect your house from demons so having a font at by your front door having a crucifix over all the doorways having holy salt i have benedict medals all on my windowsills and everything and people are just like oh that's so superstitious and crazy i'm like it's not superstitious it's just protection like it's extra devotion and it helps well and especially when you've already experienced it i mean you almost feel like it's necessary to exactly happening again and it almost felt like a fever dream if i'm being honest because of the stuff that happened you really only see it happening on like tv you never really expect that to happen and while it's rare for houses to become haunted from like a demon coming from the outside in it's usually something tragic has to happen in the house or something of that nature something bad needed to have happened on the land or somebody had to have dabbled in witchcraft something um i'm not sure what the case was for our Mm -hmm. house because we believe it was potentially a hospital during the during the war with the, the indians um but we don't have real records of that, so we're not completely sure. Um, but also, there was a lot of gangster stuff in our neighborhood. There's a lot of tunnels going underneath. Um, basically, my town is a legit hot spot for paranormal activity in general. Um, and really? it's not good. Yeah, it's not good, though, because then we have these paranormal investigators come in and cause a lot of issues because they don't understand that the paranormal are actually demons. And that's something you don't want to like be messing with um, because people don't come back as ghosts. You know, they, they can't. Um, if a human does present itself to somebody in a ghost form, it's only for a split second, or they might appear to them in like an apparition from purgatory. Um, I believe there was one story, I don't think it's been confirmed by the church at all, but one girl said that she had a vision from a friend in hell, and that friend in hell explained to her what hell was like. And that's not, like, really something that is, uh, that it wasn't confirmed by the church that that happened, but it still, it didn't go against any of the church teachings either, so it wasn't, you know, heretical or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was an interesting take as well. But yeah, we don't come back as ghosts. So, uh, so something throwing stuff, something talking, whatever it might be, that that's demonic. So these people, when they're coming and investigating your town, are they really just, without them even being aware, opening themselves up to paranormal like mm-hmm. attacks or demonic attacks? Yeah, they are. Because the thing is, is that if you go looking for something, even if it's an innocent look, like, look, literally a Ouija board is for kids eight year like eight years old and up yeah you that's might so not sad be, it's so sad and you might not be looking at a ouija board or a kid might be looking at a ouija board expecting to contact demons mm-hmm. he might just she might or he might just think it's a fun game or something to play mm-hmm. but they still subject themselves to the demons because demons don't play by those rules um and so they will mess with humans they will do what they can and if they see that you are far from god well, that that just helps them even more because you aren't protected. You're not protected with the sacraments or Our Lady. Um, most of all, God, if you don't have that relationship with him. And some, some demons, like God, will allow for our sanctification. He does allow, um, like, 
what is it, possessions, oppression, like all that stuff, he will allow for us for a better outcome in the future to strengthen us in virtue and spirituality. Um, but for the most part, God actually blocks out, I believe Ripperger said it was 80% of demonic attacks that we should be getting. Mm-hmm. Like he will actually block it out for us. Um, so it's something to keep in mind, but these people that come in and do these ghost tours and stuff, they're, they're, they're in danger. Like they don't understand what's out there because there have been a lot of satanic rituals in the woods here, um, that they like to go in and investigate. And I'm just like, you guys are literally, you have no idea what you're walking into. Okay. So I don't know if this is too personal, but like, where do you live that all of this is going on? Willow Springs. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's a hot spot for paranormal activity. Wow, yeah. and I kind of want to make a disclaimer too. Like everything, bad things sometimes do just happen, or weird mm-hmm. things do just happen, and it's not demonic. But uh, it def- demonic activity definitely does happen. And you touched on something interesting that I kind of want to point out. You said especially if we're far from God, then more we are more likely to have spiritual attacks on us and that's also something we're going to keep referring back to father Ripberger because honestly you guys you had to go look into him his talks were so so interesting and there's so many out there but one thing that he really emphasized is that you need to be in a state of grace and how important that is to your safety because mm-hmm. when you're not you're that much more open to you're opening yourself up to attacks pretty much yes without protection i mean the state of grace is the number one line of defense against the demons and um it's just so important to be taking advantage of the sacraments going to confession Mm -hmm. receiving the eucharistic state of grace um even confess confessing venial sins is so so important um those are those are really important things to do now when it comes to um, like the spiritual protection that Father Ripperger talks about is the state of grace, but also Our Lady praying the rosary mm-hmm. and also not seeking it out. That's another important thing. I have many friends who really enjoy, I, I used to be guilty of this. I used to watch Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans or whatever his name is. And I used to be into the, the whole, whatever, my haunted house, whatever. I used to be into that as a kid which probably didn't help my situation, <laughs> but, but um, just not seeking it out from um, certain perspectives, like looking, like researching it from Father Ripperger's point of view is good and understanding like how demons work is good so that we can, we can fight back against that and we can recognize temptation when it's hits because the whole reason demons try to tempt us is because the closer we are to Christ, the more dangerous we are. And so if they can take, if they can tempt us and we fall for it, they are taking us away from Christ and leading us deeper into sin. And they have more control over us, especially if it's mortal sin. Because remember, mm-hmm. mortal sin means we sever our relationship completely with Christ. Um, venial sins, we, we kind of damage our relationship, but it's not severed like a mortal sin will sever. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also important to mention that if you are struggling with a habitual sin, that is actually a virtue that God wants you to practice and grow in. Um, so if you are struggling with, I'm trying to think of a habitual sin, um, maybe 
maybe if you're struggling with maybe pornography or or um dressing immodestly stuff like that he wants you to take it by the horns so to speak and become modest and and become um uh i forget the word that's opposite of lust um not fortitude but you you know what i'm talking about he wants you to do the opposite of that sin and grow in that so if you have a habitual sin going on it's more than likely that that's this that's the virtue well the opposite of that sin is the virtue that god wants you to improve in Hmm. that's super interesting and a great perspective it's almost like the demons know our weaknesses and and they know where our biggest temptations are and so they're going to attack that and so in order to protect yourself you do have to strengthen your virtue in whatever area you're weakest in exactly the best the best defeat against the demons is um grace like that is one of the best and you do that you you get grace um there's different types like sanctifying grace is what we get in confession um but you get grace when you practice virtue so the more you submit yourself to virtue and you practice it, the more grace you are going to get and the easier it will be to overcome things. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. It just means that it will be easier to lift it up to Christ and it will be easier to rely on Christ. Yeah. Something else I also want to bring up is guardian angels because I think they are so fascinating. I'm so fascinated by just angels in general. Um, something I learned from, again, listening to Father Ripberger is that everyone has their own personal guardian angel, um, but he also mentions that Satan likes to mimic God. And so mm-hmm. Satan assigns everybody a a demon. I'm not exactly sure what the right name it's for it is. It's basically like but, a generational demon, yeah. Yeah, it's like the opposite. And so your guardian angel is so important. And the more you pray to your guardian angel and and devout, you know, love to him, the more likely he is to intercede in your life. Um, mm-hmm. And also we have family guardian angels too. I didn't know this. So when two people get married, they're assigned a guardian angel to protect their family, which I think is so interesting. I did not know that. So I've started- That's actually very true, but that's another thing about the Catholic Church. You're only assigned that guardian angel in a in a sacramental marriage. Oh, okay. So yeah. as long as, I mean, within the church and Catholic yeah. faith, yeah, you're assigned a guardian angel, which I think is so interesting. I didn't know that. I was, I've started praying to my family's guardian angel because <laughs> I'm like, hey, all the prayers, all the protection. Right, right, Why right. Why not? Yeah. Um, but also- Prayer is one of the biggest things that we can do to protect ourselves. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's another reason we need to be in a state of grace is because, I mean, our prayers have more value when we are in that state of grace and more likely to protect yourself in that state of grace. Right. And I don't think there's anything the demons hate more than, one, Our Lady, obviously, Mm. because Our Lady replaced Lucifer um, in heaven because Lucifer means you know, shining star. Well, our lady kind of took over that title and now she sits at the right hand of God. Because if we remember, Lucifer was literally God's favorite angel. And because of his pride, God cast him out of heaven. And with our lady's humility and being a woman and being human, but being free without sin, um, 
completely angers him and humiliates him and he hates her so much he also hates latin but like i just find that ironic that satan is so scared of a woman like i'm just like (laughs) yeah get wrecked i guess (laughs) right um but he also hates virtue i mean he hates that we love he hates that we were right he hates the fact that we respond to hard situations like harsh situations with love and kindness he hates that we love our neighbor he hates that we can be generous he hates all of that because he cannot be that um and so Mm -hmm. with that though it's important to practice the virtues and pray but also understand that for the most part we all will have a we all have at least one or two generational demons and you can usually figure out what it is if you pray to Our Lady of Sorrows and do a novena and ask her uh, for about seven days and she will reveal it to you. Um, but what ends up happening is in certain families, usually you can see this from the outside, is that if you do not break the, tra- the, ch- the chain of this generational demon, and sometimes it can skip generations, um, families won't even notice this, but basically the dad of a family will go into confession and say he struggles with alcoholism or something. And then his son, like a 21 year old, will come in and say he struggles with alcoholism. And so basically you can tell it's a generational demon if that specific vice goes back generations. If there's generations of alcoholism in that family, you probably have a generational demon of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. and so it kind and the same thing goes like for pornography. It goes for uh, mental health. You know, sometimes uh, demons can make it worse. And mental health is very real. But I'm saying that some demons can take advantage of that mm-hmm. and try and make it worse. Um, so taking advantage of confession, because again, confession is a mini exorcism, basically. Uh, so it's important to do that. Is that so? That's the best way to break a generational demon or to get rid of one. The best way to get rid of a generational demon is really to do the opposite of what the vice is. So you need to be the one to be aware of it. So ask Our Lady of Sorrows uh, to reveal to you what it is. You can also ask Our Lady Undoer of Knots. She's also an amazing one. Um, what your generation? Of Where does that come from? That's a new one for um, me. I couldn't tell you, but basically, hang on, let me look it up really fast because I did know the story. Um, but I forgot it when I hang on. Da, 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 da. like undoer of knots as in like a so knot, basically like a she tie? will take the yeah so she will take the knots that are in your sorry apparently it's playing music oh. <laughs> okay anyways so basically what she does is she will take the sins in your life or the vices that you struggle with and she will undo the knots in your life okay um so she will she will help you through your vices and she will undo those tricky knots. So for a family maybe that has uh, abuse that runs wild in Mm -hmm. their family, Mm -hmm. if you pray to her, she will help you to undo those knots of abuse um, or those knots of addiction, whatever it might be. Um, And so she's awesome. Highly suggest you guys go look her up. But again, the best thing to do is the opposite of what the vice is. So if you're family demon is um, pride. Like, let's just say like everyone's extremely prideful, hard-headed, like that type of thing. Then you want to practice humility. 
And by practicing humility, you want to also practice self-mortification and, and get the virtues. So by doing the opposite of the vice, you can kind of force the demon out because you are no longer going to carry it. Um, and it's very rare that the demon will uh, come back after you force it out, but it is possible. It just depends. Okay. When you brought up um, generational, generational, well, we were just talking about gener- generational demons, but how when a father might go to confession, how then that affects his whole family and the family like hierarchy and just the hierarchy right. kind of in general and how important it is to stay, you know, under that hierarchy of listening to God and making sure, you know, we stay in his good grace, but then also in the family, how the father plays a huge role in protecting the family. Um, So the father is able to bless the mother and the children, whereas the mother is under the authority of her husband, but she does have authority over the children. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course the father should be doing what is best for his family so i mean it's not like authority as in controlling but authority as in trusting the father to be doing what's best for the family right um but how if a demon is attacking the father that has impact on the entire family it's just crazy like and there's studies too i mean that even show when a father doesn't go to church how that affects his entire family. I mean, the mother could go to church with the kids even every single Sunday, but if dad's not there, then studies show the kids are way less likely to actually go to mass when they get older. Um, Exactly. Yeah. And that family structure is just so interesting. I think Satan recognizes that and demons recognize that, that if they go after the father and families that, that has a huge impact on everybody else. Um, and so mm-hmm. it feels like at least now that our fathers are under, or our husbands, our fathers, the men in the <laughs> church are just under attack is what it feels like to me, but no, they really are. Yeah. And I mean, God did create that hierarchy. It's very important that it's God, husband, wife, children, and as spouses, you need to take care of each other so that you can take care of the children. Um, And what ends up happening is actually the dad can let in generational demons. If there is a vice like gambling or going and getting drunk or something that he is doing, it brings in the generational demons. Um, And some that might not have been there yet. Like he could bring them in. Does the mother have that same impact? Not as bad because the mom is still under the father's hierarchy. However, if she is, if it's disordered, let's say that the mom wears the pants in the relationship and the dad is kind of effeminate, mm-hmm. um, then yes, absolutely. She can bring something in because it's disordered. The family is now disordered and it's not under the hierarchy that God prescribed it to be. Um, and so the woman, and basically what I mean by that is the, the woman will not submit to her husband. Um, like at the end of the day, uh, I obviously like we have to understand what submit means. It doesn't mean that we are slaves to our husbands right. or anything like that. Right. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's what what the man says goes. And he sh- and you should marry somebody who has virtue, mm-hmm. who you who you can trust to make the last decision. And it's going to be a decision that benefits both of you and your children, mm-hmm. not somebody who's going to make a, a decision to benefit only himself. 
that is very important. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it is so important, girls, to be, to find a good, I mean, religious man who loves God because he has so much authority and power in your family. Just a father's blessing can do so much good for your whole family and your children. Whereas the opposite is true. A father's curse does terrible things to Mm -hmm. to your whole family. I mean, the father truly does have so much power. I don't know if power is the right word, but. um, No, it's true. They can protect your whole family. I mean, it's so important then to find a man who you trust and are, are trusting to lead your family. Right. And I also think it's important, like, raising your kids in the faith, but the dad needs to be the one to really push it. He needs to drive the family to church Mm -hmm. every Sunday. He needs to be practicing virtue and not telling his kids how they should act, but showing them. Mm -hmm. Um, That is one of the most important things. And so, because kids, again, they don't, it's not a do as they say, not as they do, or whatever that saying is, whatever, say as I, I don't know, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's like, no, they um, they will do as you do because we feed off actions. And if we see something and it's consistent enough, we are more likely to mimic it um, because that's just how we are. We are communal people. You know, we want to be in a community and mm-hmm. we tend to act like the people we surround ourselves with. Mm-hmm. And so because most of the kids, um, Catholic kids, are usually homeschooled, um, they're around their parents 24-7. And so it's a challenge for the parents to really be in virtue. Like uh, St. Therese of Lisieux's parents, um, while they were definitely in love, their main focus was to make sure that each other were growing in virtue and were virtuous people so that they could get their children to heaven one day. Um, that was the most important thing to them. Wow. So inspirational. That's so cool. I mean, couple goals. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe not dying as early as her mom did, but I mean. (laughs) So, yeah, I'm not even super familiar with her story, but I mean, regardless, that should be, I think, all of our goals is to find a virtuous spouse so that we can raise saints. I mean, the whole purpose of getting married is so that you can help your spouse and your spouse can help you become a saint and get to heaven and, and likewise for your children. So, of course, that would be the goal. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about for sure how uh, the parents, like it just, it goes down that hierarchy. And we knew for a fact, I believe it was Our Lady stated in one of her apparitions that um, the last attack will be on the family. Mm. Mm-hmm. The last attack from the demons will be on the family. I think that was Our Lady of Fatima. But I think I'm it was not... too. Okay. Um, and it was, it was just the 104th anniversary of Fatima. Uh, I think it was just... A couple days ago actually um and so it's really important that we keep it in mind and we still do pay attention to apparitions like our lady of fatima and akita and and our lady is warning us she is a messenger and she's warning us of these things so that we can avoid it and we can stop angering god mm-hmm. and um while a lot of the prophecies at fatima have come true already like you know russia spreading its errors and everything like that there is still so much more that Our Lady has warned us about that people just ignore completely. And it drives me mad how how easily people can just cast it aside. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with we're so desensitized to all of this stuff. Um, we are all so spirit- desensitized. And I think, too, a lot of people hear about these apparitions and they think, oh, that's not true. 
that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the biggest lies that the devil spreads is that he doesn't exist. And so I think a lot of times I don't think people intentionally are trying to harm themselves, but they truly do not realize the harm and what they are doing. I mean, especially people who are far from the faith. They just don't understand and they probably don't believe that the devil exists, that God exists, that what they could do is actually hurting their soul. So it is frustrating, but I think too, I think the devil's at work even there saying, oh, you don't have to listen to that because it's not true. It doesn't exist. It didn't happen. Exactly. And just like you were saying how there is a angel for a nation and or an angel for um, a family and stuff. Mm-hmm. God prescribes an angel for a nation, a country, a state. Um, But again, likewise, there is also a demon prescribed to a country, state, and nation. Um, And so it's important that we pray uh, for, you know, healing in our nation, but also we ask the guardian angel of our nation. I believe I found a prayer not too long ago. I have to look it up again. But it's basically a prayer to the guardian angel of the United States of America. Oh, wow. Beautiful prayer. It was really pretty. Um, And I shared it, I think, last year on 4th of July, but beautiful prayer. And I'm just like, how often do we like not pray for the mundane things in life? Because I think those are really important, too. Um, And by mundane things, I mean, like having a good day or or doing good in school, like the the normal things you might pray for discernment. You know, Mm -hmm. those are really important. But we also need to keep in mind that we can't just turn a complete blind eye to what's going on in our nation and not pray for that as well and not pray for the people and the leaders and the Pope and the bishops. Like we need to pray for all of them too. And I know many Catholics do, but I think a lot of us also forget to. Um, Some don't out of spite, which is not good. Um, We need to continue praying for them because we don't know what's going to happen in the future Mm -hmm. uh, with this whole you know, restriction of the mass, TLM and stuff, and then just crazy stuff happening. Mm-hmm. So we really need to pray for the good priests we have out there and the good bishops who are actually fighting back against uh, against these, yeah. I don't know, rules kind of. And priests get their own guardian angels when they are ordained, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Father Ripperger actually sent his guardian angel to a nun who was possessed. He was going to go exercise her, and not physically, spiritually. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, we don't need to run around a treadmill. Um, so she was basically on the on the floor. She was in a lot of pain, and his guardian angel went to her when he told her when he told his guardian angel to, and his guardian angel actually held her hand. Um, Mm. and so when he finally arrived there and he was able to exercise her, she ran to the bathroom because she had been, you know, trapped by a demon for like, I think it was like 17 hours or something. She came back and she told him, she was just like, did you send your guardian angel to comfort me? And he said, yes. And he's like, and the nun said, I could feel him hold my hand, um, and offer comfort. So you can absolutely ask your guardian angel to comfort somebody, but I feel like at the same time, that's more of an exorcist thing because their guardian angel is to protect them and do what they need help with as an exorcist. But what you can do, like if you are a mom or a dad, you can ask your guardian angel to go protect your kids or like help your kids out or whatever, you know, talk to their guardian angel. I don't know, communal guardian angel stuff. (laughs) But um, what you can do is you can pray for your children's guardian angels or your friend's guardian angel and be like, hey, this person's guardian angel. I do it all the time when I'm on the expressway and people cut me Mm -hmm. off. I'm like, 
Lord, please, please protect this person, like guardian, their guardian angel, like, please protect them because they're driving really stupid. <laughs> and, um, mad, but they're driving really stupid. Exactly. <laughs> <Protect> them. <laughs> Because it's like so many people die in car accidents every day. I'm like, yeah. I don't care if they drive stupid. I just want them to be able to have time to potentially find Christ if they haven't and and do something about that, you know, so that they don't die unnecessarily. I just, I don't know. It's really important to me. And whenever I get into my car, I always ask my guardian angel for protection. So, mm. yeah. Gosh, our faith is so cool. Like we have so many helps. When you start learning about it, you're like, oh, my gosh, what other religion offers, I I mean, helps like this? And it just speaks to the truth of our faith, I think. I think we just listed off all these ways that you can help protect yourself against the devil, against evil spirits. I mean, pray the rosary. Go to confession. You have holy water in your house. Get your house blessed. Pray. Just like pray, pray, pray. You have a guardian angel. Like all this knowledge that, that the church has, take advantage of it. I think it's so cool. Yeah. Some of the best other ones that Father Ripperger suggests is getting a St. Benedict medal and having it blessed in the old rite because they do two exorcisms over the medal. That's what I have on my thing. And then I have a Fatima medal and then also to get a miraculous medal and Mm -hmm. to wear them at all times and also a scapular. I forget who it was, but there was a priest. I don't I don't think it was St. John of Bosco, but there was a priest and a girl came into confession and she basically confessed all of her sins after a few years. And he had a specific uh, gift from God where he could see if somebody had forgotten to confess a sin. Um, he could basically see, see their heart or something. I forget exactly what it was anyway. And he's like, are you sure you haven't forgotten to confess anything? And she said, No, not that I remember. And he's like, well, you were at this dance a few months ago and there was a guy and he was dancing with all of these girls and you were upset as to why he was not dancing with you. I'm telling you now that you were under the protection of Our Lady and that man was actually the devil in human form trying to get these girls to lust and to fall into sin. And you were protected because you were wearing the brown scapular. Wow. So you guys got to look that story up. I forget which saint it was. I don't think it's St. John of Bosco. Might be St. John Vianney. One of those two, maybe. But it's just a really cool story that stuck with me about the brown scapular. And we just had the feast day of Mount Carmel on Sunday, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. And so a lot of my friends got enrolled in the brown scapular. I've been enrolled for a while now. So can you explain what that is? Yeah. So basically, I actually have the, the little pamphlet right here that actually explains it all. Um, I can just read a little bit about it. Um, So basically, when Jesus spoke to St. John from the cross, behold your mother, he gave to us the masterpiece of the Father's mercy and charged us to receive her in in the role of our tender, loving mother, especially at the hour of our death as protection against damnation, right? Um, And so basically, according to tradition, on July 16th, 1251, Our Lady appeared to St. Simon Stock, an early prior general of the Carmelite religious order, and she was holding a brown scapular, and she promised, whosoever died, dies, (laughs) clothed in this shall shall never suffer eternal fire. By the end of the 15th century, this devotion included the tradition of the Sabatine privilege, which holds the belief that the Blessed Mother would effect 
the release from purgatory on the Sunday after death of those souls who practiced the brown scapular devotion during their lives. So basically, if you were devoted to the brown scapular and you got into purgatory, um, the Sunday after you die, Our Lady will come down and get you into heaven. Um, of course, it's not a get out of hell charm. You do need to do the devotions and you can't treat it as a charm. We, it's a devotion. We know this. Um, but basically, you will need to go get a scapular, and it needs to be wool. Um, I guess technically any of the scapulars will work, but most of the people, especially Father Ripperger, says it needs to be wool, and it can't have plastic on it. Um, and you go to your priest, and he will enroll you in the brown scapular if you ask him. Um, and it's a blessing on the person. So it's not on the scapular itself, though the scapular can get blessed, but um, it's on the person. So when you're enrolled, you are enrolled. And if you lose the brown scapular, you just have to go get another one. You don't need to get re-enrolled. Um, but it's interesting because that is a huge devotion to, for me. And I always freak out if I can't feel my scapular on me. And it's just very long. So it's like, <laughs> it's it's there. It's just I, sometimes I don't feel it because it's the it's so long. And so uh -huh. I'm just like, did I forget it? Where is it? Like, <laughs> I'll So then you're it. just supposed to wear it. Like you're supposed to wear it. And then, um, yeah. And then there's two different types of prayers you can do. Um, if you wear the miraculous medal, they say to pray the little office of the Virgin Mary. I'm still trying to figure that out. Uh, it's very tricky. Um, but if you are doing the brown scapular, there is, um, you are committing to prayer because it's a devotion. Um, just like any devotion, there is prayer involved. So you can, basically pray either one of these prayers. Uh, we fly to your patronage, O Holy Mother of God, despise not our petitions in our necessities, but deliver us always from all danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin, amen. Or you can say the Hail Mary several times um, and put at the end like Our Lady of Mount Carmel, pray for us. Um, and then you wanna kiss the scapular as well. Mm -hmm. So devoutly, of course. And um, I made a whole video about it on my YouTube channel. So if, if anyone needs more in-depth about that, that's on my YouTube on the Religious Hippie. Yeah, but, we'll um, have to link that so people can go and yeah. watch. So it's really great devotion, though. And um, it's just one of those that has really helped me in my spiritual battles as well. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Amber, I feel like this has been such a good spiritual warfare crash course. <laughs> <laughs> like 101 I'm definitely not an expert but like I'm learning a lot I feel like you know a lot more than me but yeah like 101 like here's where to start I'm, if you want to learn about spiritual warfare for sure I mean I'm still learning so much too there's stuff that I still surprises me about everything and how um, the different generations like boomers and millennials and gen z and all of them have a specific vice and it's crazy to, to look at and how we've lost the ability to suffer well um, mm -hmm. after World War II. And so anyway, it's just so crazy with all this stuff. So Father Ripperger is a great resource for all of this. Is there a reason World War II is thrown in there? Like, why do you say? So Wait. basically what ended up happening during World War II is after the Great Depression, people who, kids who were raised in the Great Depression, um, they wanted to give their kids everything they did not have. They didn't want their kids to suffer. So they spoiled their kids um, and their kids are me like us uh some millennials but mostly gen z um and so 
now my generation has a hard time suffering Mm -hmm. because we have pleasure at the tips of our fingertips every Mm -hmm. single second of the day. We want fast food. We order it with our phone. We want to talk to a friend. We just call them. Mm -hmm. Like it's so easy to not suffer today. Um, whereas during the great depression, people suffered, but they relied on each other and they suffered well, they were able to build up that virtue and offer it up to Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, but once the great depression was over, the kids who were raised in the great depression, didn't want their children to go through what they did, even though it helped them with virtue. Um, but they didn't realize that. And so it just, it's interesting. They go through the whole generation, even the hippie era of the generation and how that actually led to the whole feminist movement we have now. Um, it's crazy. And a great book that I think everyone should read is called The Anti-Mary Exposed. Okay. Is that about yeah. the feminist movement? It is. And it, sh- it tells you about the roots. It goes all the way back. Like it goes back a long way, like New Testament times. Um, and things like that nature, and it has demons involved and stuff, because Lilith is the demon of uh, homosexuality in women, and then there's another demon of homosexuality in men, Um, but this book goes over the history of it, um, so that you have a better understanding where it came from, how to get over it, how to defeat it, how to protect your kids, Um, and it was just a great book overall. I could not put it down. (laughs) Huh, super interesting, and that's another great point that you just brought up, like suffering, fasting, Pray in your suffering, pray in your fasting. That's another great way to protect yourself and to grow in virtue. Exactly, exactly. And you always want to pray while you're fasting and doing your mortifications Mm -hmm. and stuff because that just makes it like 10 times stronger. Mm -hmm. And I always say like the best kind of suffering is obedience. And the reason I say that is because when you don't feel like praying, but you force yourself yourself to pray anyways, God sees that. Like he does see that. And he will reward you for that because for him, that means that you are loyal to him and obedient. I'm sorry if you can hear my dogs. They're barking. It's okay. That's real life. (laughs) But yeah, it basically proves to him that you're being loyal and obedient. And he will put us sometimes through dry seasons to test. I mean, look at Mother Teresa. She was put through, what is it, um, spiritual desolation where she couldn't feel anything in prayer for months. And it was literally God just testing her and and making her stronger in virtue. Wow. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. And it's like, don't waste your suffering. There's so much good that can come out of your suffering. I don't think we realize it. Exactly. Yeah. So pretty. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. My dogs are so loud. No, it's okay. It's okay. Um, Amber, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. And this was an awesome topic. I mean, I'm totally going to give you the credit because it was like your idea, but it is so fascinating. I'm so glad you brought it up. And no, I hope- you have some great points too. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I hope also our, like you soul sisters that are listening, I hope you guys learned something and are intrigued. And I mean, go listen to more of Father Ripberger's talks and learn how you can protect yourself and grow in virtue. There's so many good tips and just even having this conversation and preparing for it, I feel like I really grew. So I'm appreciative of that. Um, but again, thank you for coming on the show. And you guys, like I mentioned before, if you want to hear more of Amber, she has an Instagram page. She's the religious hippie. Um, you have a YouTube channel. You have a podcast. So there are so many ways that you can hear more of Amber. 
Yeah, you can basically find me anywhere, just under the religious hippie. And it's H-I-P-P-I-E, just for those who want to know how to spell hippie. So okay. there you go. Okay, good to know. And so with that, Soul Sisters, if you guys enjoyed today's show, please be sure to subscribe. Give us a five-star review if you like what you heard today. And we will be seeing you next time.